We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up, Ben Shalom? Welcome to the Robin Caleb Show, the show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hag. With me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? It's going all right. Yeah. It's cold out. It's cold. Yeah. I was telling Rob before we came on the air, somebody called me today and said that it was, they were having a cold front down in Texas. I asked her how cold it was. She said 53 degrees. Um, yeah. So tonight in, in North Seattle, with the wind chill factor, it's supposed to hit, with the wind, it's supposed to hit minus 12. That's not to see. It's got to be even colder over in Spokane. That's insane. It is pretty insane. Well, what up and shalom to everybody out there uh, in the radio land and the podcasting world, the, the lowly world of podcasting. What up and shalom to everybody on YouTube and, you know, in the uh, in the good old virtual space. Yeah, in the uh, in the chat room, I'm I'm reading now what everybody's saying about it being cold. You're welcome for sending you my <laughs> yeah yeah. Andre's up in uh, Edmonton, so it's probably it's, it's probably even colder there. I'm I'm guessing. Okay, so oh, you know what I forgot to do? Um, give me just a second here. Let's see if I. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, we would like you all out there to send us uh, uh, good or va- bad vibes, however you want to, you know, whatever you think of us, and do that by leaving us messages. By the way, thank you to everybody for co- who's called the TR Radio message line. We enjoy every single one of them. I try to share uh, most of our, our mess. Any, any of them that come in that talk about the Robin Caleb Show or have anything to do with the Robin Caleb Show, I send to, uh, to, to Rob as well, so we both get to hear them. Uh, and then people just uh, general Torah Resource Radio messages, those are great, too. We love them. So give us a call, 253-465-3205. You will not talk to a person. It's just, it goes straight to voicemail, and you just leave a message. That's it. Um, yeah, so do that, 253-465-3205. And, of course, The Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by Torah Resource. Uh, and tour resource, uh, is, yeah, just started classes yesterday. How's that going? We had our first, uh, class for Greek, second quarter Greek, first year Greek, second quarter. So this is the quarter where we start working on verbs and it's always fun because of course you got to go back and build everything on what we know in English. What do we sure. know about yeah. verbs in English? Yeah. And then let's try to translate that and build our knowledge of Greek the verbal system. Uh, and there are some easy connections and then there's places where the Greek verbs are very different. So, um, that's always fun to, to dive into and, and try to explain yeah. all these things. though, in the law, it just takes time practice. There's no quick fix. 
Yeah, yeah. With uh, with these things. So, uh, yeah. Uh, if you if you aren't in a class yet, you should be. You can sign up uh, still. Registration still open. And uh, or you can, if you have any questions, you can contact Student Services. Student Services is headed by Gary Springer. Gary Springer is also the person in charge of programming all of Tor Resource Radio. He is also in the control room when it comes to our chat room. And so we thank Gary for helping with the Robin Caleb show. And of course, Michael Gonzalez does all of our artwork. And we have other hands in the pot too. Mark Randall is a, a contributor to the work that we do on the Robin Caleb show. So we thank all the guys who help bring you this show. Okay, I'll be honest. I felt like I didn't have a whole lot to uh, talk about. <clears throat> this week, but get, but uh, Rob convinced me that uh, that no, we will certainly take up a, a full hour, and that's fine. So I want to start with this. This sounds convoluted, and maybe it is. Uh, so every once in a while, I'll be posting different uh, comments on Facebook and whatnot, and I was wondering. You know, there was one person I was kind of interacting with, and I was wondering if this person had actually deleted my comment from view from everybody else. Um, and if they do that on Facebook, then you can, you can still see your comments and uh, other people, uh, your friends, can still see your comments. But everybody else can. Well, I wanted to see if this person had deleted my comments. So what I did was I set up a, just very quickly set up a fake Facebook account, essentially. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I know, right? Uh-oh, do, do I have a sound for that? Um, well, I have an applause. Yes. Oh, no, that's not the right sound. Um, let's see here. What do we have? Buzzer? Well, kind of. I wish I had. You know what I w really wish I had? Now we're on a different tangent. You know what I really wish I had? Is uh, like the uh, red alert from Star Trek. Um, I don't, though. I have this. Facebook account. I did. I set it up. So I set it up and I went and, and looked to see if my comments had been deleted, which they had. Um, and that was fine. But then I knew. And then I, I realized, okay, on my personal Facebook account, I don't like pages. Like, you know, I don't like 119 Ministries. I don't like New to Torah or anything. When you say like, you mean that you don't click the like button. Correct. And the reason why is because I don't, I don't want people to be on my profile, see it in my liked pages. <clears throat> pardon me, and then think that I'm, like, endorsing, somehow endorsing these ministries. Uh, because, you know, obviously I think there are some things that are wrong with these ministries. And I realized, well, you know, I can, ki I can like these ministries with this fake account so that I can just kind of see what they're posting all the time. So I did. And then uh, I, somebody asked to be my friend on this fake account. I approved I think I asked to be maybe 10 people's friends. They were all leaders of ministries. I asked to be 10 people's friends, leaders of ministries, just so I could kind of see what they were posting. The next day, I'm not joking. Are you ready for this? Next no, wait, day. Wait, wait, wait. How did you select which 10 that you... Okay, so the way that I selected was if they had Paleo-Hebrew in their <laughs> profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> then I asked to be their friends. Okay, so... You this is the method. We're, we're just talking about the method. You're doing a research project. The, yes, exactly. Caleb's method is find the first 10 Facebook teachers that have Paleo Hebrew, Hebrew in, yes. in, their, in their graphic. Okay. Yeah. And you, so you sent request, friend requests to those 10. Yeah, I think it was actually like 12, but yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. okay. Yeah. Then the next day, what? Then the next day, I had 162 friend requests from people. 
<laughs> I'm not joking. No, wait, that's not it. That's not even now. That was oh. that was on Monday. Uh, no, that was on Tuesday because oh. I took Monday off. So I came back on on Tuesday. Had 162 friend requests to this fake profile, and then I came in today. I have almost 300 friends now. I've asked to be maybe 11 people, and they all have like Paleo Hebrew dude, flat Earth people. It's not oh. here's the here's the thing. Okay, I'm not on. I'm, I'm honestly not trying. This to is this is a research project. <laughs> you would not. It's like I went down the rabbit hole into into. You know how you know how like you're in another world there. Alice in Wonderland is like some weird '60s acid trip that people went on, you know, to, and then made, made this cartoon. That's exactly what this is like. It, I mean, it, it is just I can't even I can't even tell you. So I brought you a sample. I'm, I'm seeing things that I've never seen before. And here's the th okay. Uh, let me explain this too. On Friday, when I started this whole thing, I was do not try this at home. I was mad. I was. I was. I was do not. Yeah. So. I, I'm like looking at these leaders that I'm asking to be friends, you know, these 12 leaders where I'm asking to be friends. And I'm like, I'm just upset. I'm so upset because like there's just so much nonsense, right? It's paleo Hebrew. It's word pictures. It's all of Tav. It's, you know, just like all the nonsense that we know is to like just not true. So I was, I was really upset. Tuesday, I come into work. I'm looking through these people's profiles. Here's what I realized. I'm not mad anymore at all. My heart is totally broken for these people. These people love the Lord. They do. They're trying really hard. You know, they have normal jobs. They have families. They're living their lives. They're trying real hard to live their life unto God. You know, they're just following a couple of teachers you know, they, they, get this, they get this feeling for like, oh, I have the truth here. I'm finding out about Torah. Great. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes along and just steers them into nonsense. And by the time, you know, it, it doesn't take long, and all of a sudden these people are bought in 100% into this nonsense. You know, the leaders being, being uh, judged more harshly, I see why now. Because you have good, God-fearing people who are just being led astray. Into, into nonsense, just total nonsense. So I brought you one. I brought you one, Rob. Um, I don't even know how to start this. I don't even know how to start this. Um, so I had never heard of this group. Let's see if I can find it again. I'm sorry. Let me, let me just open up my show notes here real quick because I know where it is here. Okay, so this the group is called Rock Island Books. And I went to them on Facebook, Rock Island Books. Okay. And then they have they have RockIslandBooks.com is like their it's like their um, their website, but they have this other thing that they that they it seems like oh sorry about that um, they have they have this other thing that they that it seems like they're like in coordination with okay and uh, what that is is it's uh, Hebrew in three D. Hebrew Wait, is this is this what Gary just mentioned? He says it's an LLC in Washington, in Friday Harbor. Yes. Oh, so they're local, like yes. to Pacific Northwest. Okay. Yes. Yes. Ready for this? This is two minutes long. This will hurt. I promise. Is there a hidden message in the Hebrew word shalom? A message that once understood could change your life forever? Change Did you know that forever. the Hebrew language is actually three languages? Did you know that the original Hebrew, the same Hebrew that Moses used to scribe the Torah, was both a pictographic and a numeric language? 
I got to stop it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you get all the way through. I got to stop it. First of all, this is totally not true. By the time we've talked about, we talked about this on the third show that we ever did. Show three. I think it was show three. It might have been six. One of the first shows we ever did, we talked about this. This is why we had uh, Dr. Michael Brown on the show. By the time the Torah was given to Moses on Sinai, Hebrew was no longer a pictographic language. It had not been a pictographic. Hebrew was never pictographic. Yeah. It it had never been a pictographic. Well, it... It, it's not a pictic pictograph means people see the like a bet and they think house but that never happened they see a picture uh, they see the bet and they think buh. yeah it's an abc theory you don't think so, that they anyway. you don't think that the canaanite languages uh at one time were pictographic languages no yeah. no the pictures that the, they represented consonants they represented consonants it's consonantal yeah, but well, it's not. It, and it, well, we, you're right. We could do. It has no bearing on. We've done a whole show on this. No matter what, by the time by the time Moses is writing the Torah, this guy is is is, 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 to, is totally false. The three languages. Did you know that the original Hebrew, the same Hebrew that Moses used to scribe the Torah, was both a pictographic and a numeric language? Has God given us a like prophetic clue, a peek into the future hidden in the four Hebrew letters Sheen, Lamed, Vav, and Mem, the four letters that spell Shalom? And is that clue hidden in plain sight, embedded from the very beginning in the pictures and numbers that are the very foundational elements of the Hebrew language? Let's take a look at the picture meaning of Shalom. Sheen is the first letter in the Hebrew word Shalom. Sheen is a picture of teeth, teeth that crush and destroy. Lamed is the picture of a shepherd's staff. Vav is the picture of an iron nail or a wooden hook. Mem, the last Hebrew letter in the Hebrew word shalom, is pictured as waters. Waters of life is pictured by a clear running stream, or waters of chaos and confusion as pictured by a flood or tsunami. In the conventional Hebrew, shalom can mean anything from not being at war, the cessation of hostility, to harmony between people. Shalom can also mean security and freedom from violence. Shalom can communicate the idea of serenity and tranquility. Now let's discover the distilled, ideal, picture meaning of shalom. Sheen means to destroy. Lamed is the voice of authority. Vav signifies two things that are connected. Mem can mean chaos and confusion. The revelation hidden in the picture language of Hebrew informs us that peace or shalom only comes when the authority connected with chaos and confusion is destroyed. Every time you say the word shalom or peace, you are uttering a prophetic prayer that someone will come and destroy the one who is causing all the chaos and confusion. And the lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I met with two guys who have studied, <laughs> this is, I, I had coffee with, two guys that had studied Peel Hebrew very, very in-depth, and they each had a completely different picture of what the word picture for Shalom meant. Uh, they each had their own. Uh, so I had, now I have three. I don't know who's right. How, Caleb, how do I know I have three Paleo-Hebrew authority uh, explanations for the Hebrew word shalom. I tell you right I now, Rob. I don't know which one to pick. I tell, oh, wait, I know which... wait. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now, Rob. How do I pick who's right? Well, the, luckily for us, this 3D Hebrew uh, uh, has an app that you can download and a book. You can down, You can buy the book for twenty two ninety five. 
Or you can download the app. Only on Android right now. I don't know what's going on with their with their Apple link, but it, it didn't work. And it will tell you the 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 Hebrew letter meaning and the different meanings of different words. They made it very easy. The 3D Hebrew Companion. Rock Island Books. This is uh, uh, this blows my mind that people buy this. This uh, honestly, I think that this is this is the downfall. I think that this is honestly not this specifically, but just like seeing how how much nonsense there is in the quote unquote Hebrew roots movement. Like before, I knew there was a lot of nonsense. Like okay, yeah, there's this olive top thing. There's this Hebrew pictographic thing. There's you know people who are buying into like ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Lapid Messianic Judaism, and therefore they're bringing in Kabbalah, people. And you know what? All of these things, okay, all of these things, I think, are, they're not just a distraction from, from Satan. I think they are a ploy by Satan, and I'll tell you why. People come in to the Hebrew Roots Movement. They come from the church. They feel like they've been disillusioned. It's been disillusioned, okay? So now they think that the church is off somehow, which maybe they're right in some ways, okay? They come in, they find, they attach themselves to Joe Schmo leader who has no training himself, but is really pumped on on the knowledge that he's gained, and so they pick up a couple of books. They start listening to their their new uh, you know wise leader, and. These these books and these articles, these magazines, everything, they keep telling them, no, the, the Christian church, that's bad, that's wrong, you were lied to, you were lied to, you were lied to, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. They don't even know sanctification. They don't even know Torah. They don't even know about the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is the greatest thing ever, blah, 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 blah. Okay? And so this what it's doing is it's breaking down this idea of the church and breaking down, ultimately breaking down, the theology, important theologies, like Sola Scriptura. That's the first one to go, Sola Scriptura. Your pastor didn't know what he was talking about with the Bible. He gave up on the, on the Old Testament. He has no clue. And if you look at it from a Jewish perspective, not from a Greek perspective like your pastor did, but from a Jewish perspective, then guess what? Now you know, now you can start to unravel the, he, the, the Hebrew, you know, word, the, 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 the hidden meanings behind all this, these kind of things, okay? And here's the thing. Once they do that, then they can say, well, what we really want to do is we want to look at the rabbis. This is the Jewish perspective. You've been looking at these Greek church fathers? Wrong. Don't do that. Look at the rabbis. They bring in these rabbis' interpretations from the 13th, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th century, and guess what? It's all filled with Kabbalah. It's all filled with mysticism. It's all filled with nonsense, okay? These deeper meanings, you know, the the pardes, different meanings, all this kind of stuff. And what does it ultimately do? It ultimately makes them give up on things that that are foundational doctrines. Sola Scriptura is number one. Number two is the deity of the Messiah. This is a ploy from Satan because the Hebrew Roots Movement is now turning away from the core doctrines of the Bible, and they're doing it, they're doing it because of trickery from these non-salesmen. Yeah, from salesmen, snake oil salesmen, people who don't know anything about the languages, people, people who couldn't exegete their way out of a wet paper bag. 
They there's, have no a, clue. there's a guy who's been selling those books, though, uh, Brenner or something like that, with all these Paleo Hebrew coding and all this stuff. I mean, it's the it, Lou White did the same thing. You know, these people, this movement has roots. Jeff Benner, you know, yeah, Jeff Benner and all those guys, Brad <clears throat> Scott. Uh, hey, I'm not even saying that, you know, Brad Scott <clears throat> seems like, like a very nice guy. I've interacted with Brad Scott, very nice guy. And actually, a lot of what he says is great. Um, he certainly associates it with some interesting people. There's no doubt about that. But people like Jeff Benner, these guys, uh, they're not maliciously out there trying to to, to trick people. And maybe that's why it's even more clever of the evil one. Because they believe they're on a, they, I, I, I call it the, the, uh, Indiana Jones adventure. That's what they're on. They think they imagine themselves, yeah. Indiana Jones, they're discovering some lost treasure and they're going to bring it. They're figuring it life. out. Yeah. And, and yeah. not only they're yeah. pumped about it, they're super pumped mm. because they feel like they've gained this. I mean, like I do the same thing. When I, when I get onto a topic, you know, and I start studying, and I got, you know, 10 books around me, and I'm pulling from all these different books and everything, and I'm really starting to look at the, at the scholarship and the original sources and all these kind of things. It's exciting. I get it. I get exactly why. You know, I told my dad, I get why you do this. This is really fun. But the problem is, is that these guys aren't, they have no clue even where to start. So they're starting on the wrong foot. They're starting in, in nonsense, paleo-Hebrew, all of top, all that kind of stuff. It is sad, man. It is so sad. And the worst part is, is that is that they they trick people so strongly without even realizing it themselves. They trick people so strongly. It's like the Mormons. They're all in. You will never convince somebody that the et, the Aleph Tav, is, is just a, a sign of the direct object. They, they have bought in, man. <clears throat> it's the same with the Paleo-Hebrew. The fact that God didn't hide all these meanings between Paleo-Hebrew word pictures, no. They have, they have fully bought in. It's like telling a Mormon that Joseph Smith is a false prophet. Not going not gonna to happen. It's like they've been conditioned now from, you know, the Mormons have been conditioned from a young age to, to you know, but the, the, the sneaky thing about all these, these wrong theologies is that, is that they can hypothet they can get there through their own mind. Oh, yeah, God gave us this secret. It means something to them. Here's, it's a divided mind also, and this is why. is because the very things that, <clears throat> the very process of learning, which is very much a process of learning, that helped believers start to distinguish the Word of God from the traditions of men, in, and in our day, which means moving to understand the Scriptures from the, the, the Torah perspective, promise theology, and with the willingness to kind of go out into the wilderness and say, you know what, I'm going to question the traditions of men because I want the Word of God. Okay, that's a good, that's a good thing. Yeshua himself says we're to discern between the Word of God and the traditions of men. And so we start on this adventure that can be scary, but it's a long-term discipleship process, long-term learning. What happens, though, some people, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and they want to invent their whole new worldview. Um, and what they forget is that the very Bible that they study was translated through, through the traditional understanding of what language is. That language is words recorded. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's 
there's semantics, there's grammar, there's all these things associated with language that has produced all the translations in the world that people benefit from. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to take uh, one of these guys who is against all this tradition and they're pro-Paleo-Hebrew like this person we just heard in the recording and give them a Torah scroll and tell them to produce their own translation using their technique— they would never produce a Bible that anybody could use. Use, yeah, exactly. They would never. They're not going to produce anything of value for the for the sustenance and the, the nourishment of Yeshua's flock. Never. It's 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 snake oil. It's salesmany. It's sensationalism. It's it's reminds oh, oh, me okay, of the, wait, the but, Chuck but, Missler thing. But here's the thing: is that snake oil is is somebody coming? They it's like, haha, look at what I got! I got these Rolexes here. You want to buy one? It's like yeah. it's like selling out of the back of their car. They know that they're scamming people. They're they're making a buck. I don't see that. You don't think they know that? They think they're on the truth. Dude, well, I think I think Jeff Benner. I think that guy loves the Lord. I think that he has bought into nonsense. He's he's. I he, I, I can't. I don't know. I can't. I don't know either. I don't know either. I have to, but I have to give people the benefit of the doubt like that. And the reason why is because otherwise, then these people are are like they're of the of the devil. Otherwise, here's here's the thing though. Back to this idea though of mentioning names of teachers and stuff. I think we have to because we owe it. Once a person has been out there teaching and their stuff and they've got books. It was the same thing with with Roth and the translation, the the Aramaic New Testament that he published. It was on its fifth edition. Yeah. When when we wrote the re- when we published a review, and the email I got was, "How come you didn't do Matthew 18 with me?" Which is what which the claim was, "Why didn't you come to me privately? Why did you publish this your book? Yeah. Why did you put your book out and to like, thousands I'm of like, people? Dude, your book, you're yeah." <laughs> This it's not a it doesn't apply and I I said can you explain to me how it applies he never replied he never told me how he thought that Matthew eighteen applies to the situation so we have to we have to I, I and again I'm not I didn't do it there I didn't judge his salvation that's not what I'm there to do I'm I'm here to say look we we're in a position now where it is our obligation for people who have a voice to to do their best to give the best nutritious food to Yeshua's flock and to get the poison out of the water and to make sure there's no, you know, uh, un- unwanted things in the food. Uh, now, I'm glad, and, you're ta- I'm glad you're saying this. And the reason why is because, uh, you know, we were a, a couple shows ago, uh, we did something on uh, on the Christ- our Christmas special, which has gotten a lot of, a lot of airtime on, on Facebook and whatnot. Um, we really talked a lot about Zach Bauer and uh, new to Torah, his, his debate with, uh, with this young man, Michael, uh, I say young man, he's like my age, um, which is true. Young man. I, I, yes, exactly. Um, now I give credit where credit is due. We've been, I've been, I have been very harsh with Zach and, uh, I think that he's a big boy. I think he can take it. Um, but he did, uh, Nudator did a video, he did a video uh, December 29th, just entitled Eliyahu Zerubbabel Warning. Now, I didn't even look at this because I didn't know what in the world he was talking about with his title, so I just passed over it. Then, with this new Facebook account, guess who asked to be my friend? Some guy named Eliyahu Zerubbabel. Oh. So I... Uh, 
I went back. I watched Zach's uh, uh, video, on this warning that he has on Eliyahu Zerubbabel. I got to give it to Zach. Well played, sir. This is this is good. Um, I think that uh, I think that Zach did the right thing in this video. I think that he talked the right way in this video. I think that he brought a good warning to people, and I think that he, uh, you know, I think that. I th- I'm on his side on this one. So don't think I'm always against Zach. And Zach, if you ever listen to this show, which I honestly doubt he ever does, because why would he? Uh, why would anyone, really, right? But uh, <laughs> lowly podcasters that we are. But the point is is that uh, I'm not always against Zach. I-, I know people think that I am. I'm not. I actually, uh, Zach seems like the kind of guy that uh, I would get along with very well, actually. Um, I think that we both have a zeal for, for what we uh, believe and what we teach. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he, he likes doing stuff that I like doing, and I think that we'd get along. Anyway, kudos to you on the uh, Eliyahu's Irrevable Warning. Great video. And you can find that. Uh, normally, we don't plug other people's ministries, but, uh, you know, you can find that on New to Torah and on, his, on Zach's Facebook page, New to uh, No, I'm sorry, Facebook.com backslash New to And that's a good one. It's only about 10 minutes long. Okay. Should we move on? I got a, I got an itch sure. on my nose that is just killer over here. Ah, okay. Oh, I well, one thing. I had a conversation with a person I never talked to before uh, yesterday on the phone who happens to know um, Steve Berkson. Yes. Um, and I thought that it was the same person I had talked to a week ago. It was not. Okay. Anyway, so I I didn't know I when I was talking to this person and then he, it just came up in the conversation. This person lives in Tennessee. And. Uh, and I said, oh, oh, you know him, huh? And he said, yeah. And he told me some detail. And I said, you know, we've got, we got a little bit of flack that we misrepresented him. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, no. He says, you did not misrepresent him at all. You nailed it. Anyway, so I was like, okay, that's good. So anyway, because, um, you know, that is, that is a, you know, like you said, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Part of that, I think that's why we play the long clips. We want yeah, exactly. to make sure that we're not, we don't have any gain to misrepresent anybody, right? What, 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 you know, what, that's heaven forbid we misrepresent somebody. Well, so, that, it, that's on us. We we don't want that on our conscience. We want to know that what we're doing is properly representing people using their own words, so that our audience can hear that this is what this person says, so that we can interact with it accurately. Yeah, well, and not only that, that, that's just it. Somebody said that uh, I'd never listened to his teaching in full. I listened to nine hours of Berkson. Nine hours of Berkson before we did that show. And, and the reason why was because I wanted to get a good understanding of what, what, uh, you know, what he was saying and, and what his overall point was. Actually, to be honest with everyone, we, we had planned uh, – we had planned on doing um, several different topics for this show, um, but we didn't want to misrepresent one of the people. Uh, there's one person that, that we're listening to, um, and uh, Rob and I both decided that it would be better if we held off on that. And uh, there's another guy that we want to talk about because we see his articles going around a lot, and uh, but he's very much in the scholarly world and so we need to uh, we need to make sure that we fully understand exactly what he's saying before we talk about what he is saying so anyway uh, we don't just except for this show today we just got on the air and now we're just talking <laughs> but normally we do research 
<laughs> All right, let's keep going. Um, you know, you've wanted to talk about John 6 for the past, I don't know how many shows, and we've always bumped it. You want to talk about that now before I open up the mailbag? <clears throat> no, well, just briefly, I just want to talk about how, and I think we maybe we did talk about it. Can, can, I, give an over, can, can, can I give an overview real quick of, of, of something that I think is going yeah, on? Yeah, go ahead. So there's, there's uh, this thing with uh, Michael Rood. You know, he says that the, the ministry of, of Yeshua is only a year long or whatever. Uh, and, and so, or I, I forget how long, 22 weeks or something. Or 22 months or something like that. Anyway, um, he so he the way he gets rid of uh, the chronology is by saying that uh, that John six four is spurious that it shouldn't be in the 70 weeks. Yeah, uh, that uh, John six four shouldn't be in our Bibles. Thank you, chat room. I appreciate that. Um, this is total nonsense. If you look at the entire chapter of John six, the whole thing is about Passover. The whole thing, when he takes the, the children of Israel, or when he takes his, the, the, the crowds out into the wilderness, he divides them up into thousands, hundreds, fifties, right? Just like Moses did in the wilderness, okay? He talks about manna from heaven, how he's the manna from heaven. He seems to pre-elude the words of institution, this is my blood, the, you know, he, he does that uh, in, in the end of John. The whole thing looks like... Passover. And it doesn't look like one day. It looks like, you know, a, the time period around. Anyway, okay, go. My point was to not address all that uh, I, in I know, detail, other trail. than just to point out that Yeshua himself said hard things to a group of people that were, that said they trusted him. And he, he would say something that was very difficult, eat my flesh and drink my blood, for example. And a bunch of people we can't that we can't do we can't have that. He just drew the line. I'm out of here. And then he even looks to Kepha to Peter and says, "Are you going to leave too?" And he's like, "Where are we going to go? You have the words of life." So right there, we see that Yeshua himself separates the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Right. That and he does it with his word. He separates those who are truly his disciples from those who are just there because it feels good. And there's a, there's like this kind of social world that they can participate in and it's fun and the people are nice and there's good food and there's music, you know, there's a time when it's like, boom, the sword comes down and it separates and, uh, it separates those who persevered from those who were just there for the wrong reasons. Well, here's and, the thing. Like, wait, wait, the, 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 I, I'm with you, and we can tie this into uh, into uh, Rude's uh, taking out John six four. The chat room is talking about different people with, within history, Irenaeus of Lyon, and and others who who said that the, that Yeshua's ministry was one year. Here's the thing: is that as disciples, we accept what the Holy One has said. We accept that in the Apostolic Scriptures. We accept it in the in the Tanakh. We don't get to pick and choose. Just because we're too stupid to understand certain parts of the Bible doesn't mean that we get to throw it out. That goes for all of us. You know, uh, Monty Judah's thrown out the entire book of Hebrews. Uh, Michael Rood has thrown out John 6-4. This is because of their ignorance. It has nothing to do with the, you know, with the word having flaws or your Bible having flaws. What it has to do with is the idea that, that uh, 
the Almighty has said something. If we don't understand it, then we have to try to, we accept it, even if we don't understand it. Is that what you're saying? Because at the end, at the end of John 6, that's when he says, aren't you going to leave too to his disciples, right? And what do they say? No, we're with you. We're with you. We've left everything. We're not, we're not going back. We're all in. In other words, we're all in. Is that what you're saying, though? You're saying that, yeah, yeah, as... that, that Yeshua, that, that things happen, and we have to decide whether we're all in or not. We have to, that cause, the cause, the refinement of, of our faith. And genuine faith will persevere. This is going to tie into one of any, the... Any other, any other kind of faith that we think we have, that a person has, um, if it doesn't persevere, that falls into the category where Yeshua says, you know, that the seed fell on the on the wayside, and it, it sprouted up out of joy really quickly, but, but it had no root in itself, and when the sun scorched it, it, it withered and blew away. So we, you know, we need to take that as, and understand. And it's the same picture in, in Romans 11. Not the, the status of the tree at any moment does not reflect the tree in Olam Haba in the coming kingdom. It reflects the, what, what the Ecclesia looks like socially at any one moment. That's because you're in a situation, there might be a branch that looks like it's part of the Ecclesia that, that actually isn't going to be in the world to come. And there might be a branch that's laying on the ground that we might think, oh, that's, that's, they're written off. They're, they're going to hell. Well, no, maybe not. That's not for us to decide. Paul of Tarsus is a perfect example. At one moment, he the believers in Yeshua would have seen him as a broken off branch laying on the ground. Oh, he's, they didn't write him off though. He was, he was grafted back in. Can we, can we open up the mailbag real quick? Because sure. Yeah. I think, I think it's, Je- I think she, she's in the chat room right now. I think her name is Gemma. Gemma. Am I saying that right? She'll, she'll that's right. Cool. Okay. So Gemma asked the question, let's open the, up the mailbag. She said we didn't have to talk about this, but it ties in very well to what we're talking about. Well, let's open the mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. here. Okay. So this from Gemma. And if I can find it, here it is. She says uh, she has two questions. And we'll read the second one first because this ties into exactly what you're saying with John 6. And being all in. Okay. So she says... Um, uh, she, she's reading through, the, or she's uh, going through the archives, and she says, "I understand your Calvinist position on salvation that you cannot lose your salvation." I have a couple of questions. Uh, she says, "Do you believe that that the folks who were believers and then deny Yeshua are still saved?" I'm referring directly to those who came into the Hebrew roots messianic movements, Torah observant movement, and then, due to many factors, came to deny Yeshua. These people remain in the movement but deny the apostolic scriptures and their belief in Yeshua and enter into a more Jewish faith. Or sometimes they convert to Judaism. What about their salvation? See, and this is the thing is that I think that exactly what Rob's talking about. If you're not all in, you know, when you, when, when you have that conversion, whatever it may be, you know, I don't have a moment in my life where all of a sudden I'm like, boom, there it was. That was the moment that I accepted Yeshua is my savior. And instantly I was changed. You know, you hear these stories of people who were like high on crack or whatever. And then all of a sudden they, they accept the Lord and boom, they're sober and they've never gone back to it and all this kind of stuff. It wasn't like that for me. Um, now I can tell you a very specific story of how, how my 
walk went and changing moments in that walk for sure. There's no doubt about that. But there is a point when I believe I can see the Holy Spirit entering my life. And when that happened, guess what? Um, I was all in. The, the true acceptance and, the, and the, the Holy Spirit coming into my life, all in. If I can't understand something, it's my bad. It's not God's bad. It's not the Bible's bad. It's my bad. Before that time, before the Holy Spirit came in, I, you know, I would have told you I believed that Yeshua was the Messiah. I believed that I was saved, all these kind of things. But I think that there are people who say these things, but they're not all in. That's not saving faith. And when they fall away, when they say, no, I can't reconcile this, Yeshua can't be the Messiah, and they fall away, that means that they didn't have true salvation. That means that they didn't, they were not, um, you know, they, they, they hadn't gone all in. Somebody said uh, on a Torah resource post recently that uh, once saved, always saved is a, Calv- a, a Calvin term. It's a Calvinistic term. Well, you can say that if you want to, but I think that Yeshua is pretty clear. I always go to John 10, 25 through 28. I think the issue is very, very clear in this passage. Yeshua answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I think this I know them is covenant language here. I know them. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I think that, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the standard Armenian response to this is, oh, well, we can't be snatched out of his hand, but we, we can jump out. This is not, I don't think that this is the, the tone of what Yeshua is saying in this passage. It's, I just don't buy that at all. Anyway, okay. That's all. That's all. Okay. Just a, just a picture of Yeshua sifting, sifting the, the wheat. So uh, Peter in the chat room asks, he says, uh, John 10 says they follow me. What constitutes that? That's a great question. I think that once, once, uh, once justified, which is a work, you know, once again, I mean, I have no problem saying that when it comes to the doctrines of grace, I, I lean Calvinist. Somebody said I claim to be a Calvinist. Well, my eschatology and all those things are certainly not Calvinistic. Um, so I, I don't think I can claim to be a Calvinist. Uh, however, when it comes to the doctrines of grace, I hold to Calvinism, to that part of Calvinism. Um, so I think that we are justified, nothing to do with ourselves. And once that happens, and once the Holy Spirit indwells us, we want to conform to, we want to follow, we want to conform. Already justified, then we follow. But you have to be justified first. If you're not justified, all of your works are like worthless rags before the Almighty, mm-hmm. right? And we're told that right in the That's scriptures. Right. So even if we're doing things that look right in other people's eyes, if it's not done through the Messiah Yeshua, it's a worthless rag to God. It doesn't matter. You on board with that, Rob? Thoughts? Yep. Nope. Bam! There we go. I'm thoughtless. What? I'm totally thoughtless. I'm full of thoughtlessness. We, right we agree. No, what I, I'm tracing this side text thing that's going on that is really cool. Talking about some variant readings in Psalm 145 between 
Masoretic traditions as well as uh, Dead Sea Scroll, Septuagint, etc. We we got a good so, group in the chat room good, today. Good it's discussion. A, it's a lot of people. That, there's a lot of people in the chat room today that have never been in the chat room before, and that is exciting. It always makes uh, the conversation good conversation. So welcome to everyone in the chat room. If you send me your names, your full names, and where you're from, we'll welcome you properly next time, uh, next show. Uh, so send those to chag at torresource.com and get welcomed as one of the 36. Eric, I'll just share, just for listeners. So Psalm 145.13 in, uh, in the Leningrad Codex is Malchut Ha, Malchut Kol Olamim. So Malchut Ha, your Malchut, your kingdom, your reign, Malchut Kol Olamim, is a kingdom of all ages. U Mem Techa, your Memshelet, which is... It's a parallelism for Malkut, your your kinghood, your reign, the whole door of a door in each and every generation, throughout all generations. Okay, so that's that's uh, the mem letter because it's an acrostic, right? So that's for the letter mem. Well, what what I think it's Asher Asher put in the footnote was that the Dead Sea Scrolls actually has an extended verse there. It actually has a, a verse for the letter noon as well. So, um, and that says, Baruch Yodhevavhe, Baruch Shemo Leolam Vayet. So, blessed is the Lord, blessed is his name forever and ever. And then a noon, Ne'eman Elohim Bidvarav, faithful is Elohim in his words, the Chasid, and um, is, a, is a Chasid, which he's like. Um, Faithful, another parallel for Ne'eman, he's faithful. Bekol ma'asav, in all his works. And then Baruch Adonai, Uvaruch Shemole Olam So there's this, and then it goes to the letter Samic. So there's this extended verse that's in, and this is in 11Q5, so Cave 11 at Qumran. It's also in the Septuagint, by the way. And it's partially, yeah, part of that, where it says, Pistas Kurias in Tois Logois, have two, uh, faithful is the Lord in all his words. Kai Hosius and Pasi Tois or Gois are two. And and pure or holy in all his works. So um, you know, this is a really good question about text tradition. Which do we say? Sure. And I think one of the questions was, do we say that the Masoretic tradition in this location is fallible? In other words, did the scribes did they alter it? Did they remove it? What accounts for it in some and in others? And that's a great question. That's not what we're going to get into today. But what's wonderful is that the question that we have and that the fact that we can ask this question is wonderful. Uh, and it, it, that's an indicator of where we are in history. 2,000 years ago, there weren't a lot of people on the planet that even had the knowledge to, uh, the, of these differences to be able to ask such a question. So this is a wonderful question. And this is an obligation that we have to apply the principles of the Torah, just weights and measures, accounting for all the variations, recognizing our own limits in knowledge. Um, and we can offer hypotheses, you know, as to maybe to explain why this, why this manuscript tradition has this, why this other manuscript tradition doesn't have it. Um, but we're always going to hit this, a ceiling of our own knowledge. But certainly uh, it is important for us to to take uh, 
stock, kind of take inventory of all the text traditions that we have and to be good stewards of them. And that's what the BHS is trying to do. Biblical, uh, uh, Biblia Hebraica Stuttgart Zenzia is to try to say, look, you know, here are these variations and, and scholars can, can study those. And we have the same issue with the, uh, the apostolic writings. It's, mm. it's, it's definitely not just uh, with Tanakh. So, um, but this doesn't discourage us. This does not undermine the authority of the Word of God. That's what we need to also remember. Uh, uh, anyway, that's an extend, extended footnote on, on our discussion in the chat room. So, uh, well, Asher, actually, he just put his, uh, his info into, uh, into the chat room to be, to, to be welcome to the Rob and Caleb show. And so we'll, oh. do, we'll do that. But uh, now this is, uh, we have to figure out our halakha on this because we've never had this happen. He says that he's from Singapore, but he's studying in the UK right now. So I figure since he's listening from the UK, that's where we'll say he's hailing from. Ready? Here Wait we go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It sounds yeah. like he's originally from UK. He says, I'm from the UK. I have, I have lived in the US for nearly seven years. No, no, that's Gemma. That's Gemma. Oh, that's Gemma. Oh, sorry. That's oh, Gemma. Okay. So gotcha. she, she, she was responding to Asher. Who, uh, Thank you for clear. Okay, good, good. Okay, so uh, Asher is is studying in the UK, correct? We, we, we have to consult history. the Robin Caleb Talmud. Yes, exactly. You don't know what we, what's, consult, our, our, the <laughs> consult the code. Consult the code. Oh man, what's our halakha here? I guess we're going to go from where he's listening because he put. Okay. Uh, yeah, Asher, okay. We're going to we're going to bless you. Here we go. We would like to welcome Asher Chi from Southampton, UK, to the Robin Caleb Show's listening audience. You are now one of the 36 coolest people on Earth. Please consider yourself blessed. You've been blessed. Okay, welcome hey, to the show. That's the first of 2017. That is the first of 2017. Wow, Asher. Doubly blessed. If, if you keep that pagan calendar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not even get into it. Okay, let's let's move on. Uh, so we have something else from uh, the mailbag, and this one this one will probably take the rest of our time. Which is, you were right, Rob. We can you and I can sit down and talk for an hour, no problem. Austin says this to us. Now this has to do our last show, one fifty four. By the way, we're at one fifty five. What's the gematria of one fifty five? Anyway, okay. So, um, you really want to know? No, I really do not want to know. Okay. I don't want to know. Um, so our last show was on the Didache, uh, kind of out there for some people. I'm sure. Why would we even talk about that? Well, you try doing a show for four years and coming up with topics all the time. Anyway, not the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, think if we were on every day every week. <laughs> oh i know right somebody said they want us to do this twice a week i mean yeah if 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 the lord blesses torah resource with enough money maybe we'll see okay so uh, i uh, austin said uh you you said that the the didache uh was uh, says that you're not allowed to eat food offered to idols no matter what you said that paul in first corinthians 8 says you're allowed to eat food offered to idols. I don't see that. How could Paul be saying that if the Torah, if the Torah specifically tells us not to eat food offered to idols? And I wrote back and I said, this is a great question. We'll talk about it. But can you please tell me where the Torah tells us not to eat food offered to idols? We've talked about this on this show before, but sometimes it's good to re review these things, okay? So Austin wrote back. I'm going to read his response now. This is what he says. He says, according to the, uh, to the Orthodox Union... 
It is found in Exodus Exodus 34. Now, I'm not exactly sure why the Orthodox Union would be, you know, they also say that Yeshua is not the the Messiah. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm skeptical to take their uh, their biblical interpretation on just about anything. But not the point. Let's keep going. He says, uh, he quotes Exodus 34, 15, you should not forge a treaty with the locals, then stay after, then stray after their gods, slaughter to those idols, and be invited by them to eat from such offerings. And Deuteronomy 32, he says. Uh, and then and if quote, you continue that verse, it talks about, um, like, you know, fornication, basically it leading to sexual sin. Yes. Which Paul also addresses in 1 Corinthians. Yes. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Um, he says, uh, also Deuteronomy 32, the fat of whose offerings they ate, they drank the wine, as, uh, wine of whose libations. This Deuteronomy th- uh, 32, 20, uh, I'm th- sorry, I cannot talk right now. Deuteronomy 32, 38. Uh, then Austin goes on. This is now Austin's own words. He says, their website then elaborates with the rabbinic text that address the issue. The, and he quotes this, this mitzvah is uh, the discussed, well, I'll read, I'll read from this. He says, this view seems to be held in common with the Apostolic Council decree of Acts 15. Right. I, I, I agree with that. Okay, so let's, let's now go to, uh, he gives us the, ortho, uh, Austin was kind enough to cite his reference. Let's go to that reference. This is uh, Commandment 111, this, uh disinvited the prohibition against eating food or drinking wine offered to idols. This is in your show notes for those of you who received the show notes. By the way, if you'd like to receive our show notes, just go to TorahResource.com. Under the uh, radio tab on the toolbar, uh, just hover over that. Go down to the Rob and Caleb Show page. Once you get there, there's a sign-up form that you can just name an email address. That's all you need to put in, and you'll get our show notes every week. Okay, um, so this article by the Orthodox Union was written by Rabbi Jack Abram Abramowitz. Uh, he says, first he quotes Exodus uh, thirty-four fifteen, which we just quoted, and then he says, "The Torah cautions us." This is not long, by the way. I'm probably going to read this whole article. The Torah cautions us in several places not to forge treaties with the idolatrous inhabitants of Canaan. One such warning is in verse 34:12. Here it, it, it gives a reason for this ban. If we get complacent with them, we'll end up eating from their sacrifices, which we are not to do. I disagree with this. I don't think that that's exactly what it says. I think he's stretching now a little. Anyway, he, he goes on. We've already seen in Mitzvah 26 that idolatry is prohibited prohibited. That's obvious. That's a serious sin. Nothing could be a bigger metaphoric slap in the face to God than serving a false God. This is one more way in which we are warned off from getting anywhere near that trap. Accordingly, anything used in the worship of an idol, even something seemingly insignificant like water or salt, is prohibited prohibited for us. Where does he get that? That's obviously rabbinic tradition. This mitzvah is elaborated upon in Parshas Hazinu. Speaking of idols, the Torah says, the fat of whose offerings they ate, they drank the wine of, of whose libations. We see that the Torah equates the meat of idolatrous offerings and the wine of idolatrous libations in this regard. He's going to go on. I won't read the, the last two paragraphs, um, but basically this is his argument. I don't see that. I don't see it. Um, in Exodus thirty four fifteen, this whole thing is tied together. You shall not forge a treaty with the, with the locals, then stray after their idols, slaughter to those idols, 
and be invited by them to eat from such offerings. In other words, you're not allowed to participate, and this is Paul's point in, in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10. You're not allowed to participate in the, in the uh, meal offerings to, to uh, a false god. In other words, you can't go and have a, a meal to Tammuz. You can't go and have a, uh, you know, have a uh, dedication meal to, to Saturn. You can't make an offering, slaughter an animal, put it on the fire, and uh, do this all as an act to a false god, and then eat the meat. That's participating in idol worship. However, let's go now to 1 Corinthians 8 and see what Paul says. So I still I still challenge the idea. I still don't believe that the Torah does not tell us that we're... I, I don't think that the Torah says you're not allowed to eat food offered to idols. I think that the Torah tells us you're not allowed to participate in meal offerings to... In other words, in, in the ceremonial meal to a false god. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.1. Now, he doesn't... Okay, anyway, let's go with this. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know... uh, I'm sorry. He does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore... As to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. Okay. However, not all possess this knowledge. So he goes on now, he's going to say, if some, okay, so actually I'll, I'll read a couple more verses. But some through former association with idol, idols eat food as re- really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. What right is that? I think it's the right to be able to uh, not have a, a bad conscience if we eat something that. Uh, look, if well, I here, could... here's the dis- here's the distinction that I think Paul's making here. First of all, First Corinthians, you have to realize he's quoting a lot of slogans. Yeah, the Corinthian slogans that he's interacting with. So that's that's a fascinating so, study, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Corinthian so, studies or uh, Corinthian slogans. Event, yeah. So he's he's taking sayings that they're that are, are current in their world, and he is interacting with them to try to steer him. Here, here's the way you need to read this. You need to read this, A, that Paul is putting what you, the Torah of the Messiah at the forefront. He says, the Shema and love your neighbor are the core. Why the Shema? The Shema, because he's saying there's no God, there's only one God. That these, uh, these things called idols are really not gods. And there are some people that understand that. But they're taking that and they're forgetting to love your neighbor. And they're um, going and and believing through kind of a a stoic philosophy that even Philo of Alexandria had, was that this privileged knowledge or wisdom makes a person autonomous in their ability to, they have authority and freedom. And the, the people who took that, to an, ex, uh, an extreme was that this wisdom they had 
basically was in their soul but not in their body. So they could, there were people who could do whatever they wanted with their body, yeah. but their soul would remain with God. And Paul is absolutely against that, and he, he's against it, uh, and he, he talks about it in terms of the sexual sin particularly. He said it's not that the, the Spirit of God dwells with your soul, but in your body. And this has to do with incarnation, the Word of God becoming flesh, you know, and, and a lot of important stuff behind the scenes here. But what Paul wants to do is to get these Corinthians who are floating around thinking that they have this freedom to do whatever they want, to get them back into their bodies by having to, to love their neighbor as themselves, to bring this other picture in there. And so Paul's trying to uh, meet them on the terms where they're coming from philosoph- uh, philosophically, but undermining them and getting them back to orient their life according to the greatest two commandments, as Yeshua taught. Okay, that's one thing. The other distingui- the, the key distinction, and Caleb, you already touched on it, is that Paul's making is meat sold in a marketplace— Versus cultic meals. Okay, yeah, let's let's actually uh, between so uh, meat sold in marketplace. Paul says, you know, you can you can go ahead and eat meat sold in the marketplace. I, I have two analogies here, and, and but then I'm, he said, but but, but but so what it seems to be is that Paul's making a what we would call halakhic distinction between if meat is out in the marketplace for sale, it is. By definition, it seems that Paul would say it is not part of a cultic uh, sacrifice. In other words, the cultic sacrifice would be is what he unpacks in in First Corinthians ten, where there's there's sexual sin, there's idolatry, and then there's the the eating of meat sacrificed unto demons. He says they're, it's demonic. Yeah, and you can't do that and be a believer in Yeshua. So Paul's Paul's pointing out there's there's a ritual social activity where uh, meat uh, sacrificed meat is partaken that Paul would say is forbidden, and then there's just the marketplace, which Paul seems to, uh, in my understanding, take as a uh, it's neutral of any um, any of that. But then if someone comes along and then tells you, oh, well, hey, that was offered to uh, sacrifices, or that would that was offered to uh, a d- divinity, then he says, don't eat it. But why does he say not, don't eat it? It's for their he sake. He says don't eat it because of the conscience of the of person, person who's, who, who's, who's labeling it. it. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 10.25 real quick. He says, eat whatever is sold in the, mar- in the meat market without raising any questions on the grounds of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the grounds of conscience. People try to use this to say that we can eat unkosher food. No, no, no. He's talking about things that are, that are uh, that might be uh, offered to idols. I have a perfect analogy for this. Somebody asked me recently, I live, uh, well, my, my, the office that I work at is in the north end of Tacoma, and there's uh, a, a little, uh, little grocery store right down from from where the office is, and it's a it's a gas station slash grocery store. You walk into the front doors, and there's a huge Buddha sitting right there. Okay, and they always have you know like their their Donut. incense, oh. yeah, their incense going in their little <laughs> fruit and whatnot in his jar and whatnot. So somebody asked me recently, are are we allowed to to go in there and buy the food from that grocery store from that little market because. We know that the person who who owns that store says blessings and prayers over their store all the time and gives it into the hands of what we can assume is a demon, right? So isn't that food offered to to idols? 
I think this is exactly what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 10, is that they would say, in the Roman markets, they would say incantations over all that food. Was it offered to idols? In a way, it was. And so he's saying, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Don't participate in idolatry. But if I walk into that little quickie mart, I'm not going to worry about grabbing a Coca-Cola or, well, maybe for health reasons, but, you know, I'm not going to worry about getting a donut from that, that market. Because that's nothing. And somebody in the chat room saying, same issue for halal, halal food. You'll see a lot of the time that halal food, stuff that has been uh, hectured, or I don't know what they call it, for halal, for the Muslims, will also have a kosher stamp on it. And this gets into something else completely. But then the question is, is are we allowed to, to eat it? Because those who... That we uh, need to see. I, I've heard someone mention that, but I've personally never seen that. So if someone can, has a picture of a, I've seen of a product that has both, that, I'd like to see it. Okay, but, anyway, the, other, but the, the, other, the other point is, is that we have the rabbis. When I was uh, in debates with uh, the, the college rabbi, we, I invited him to my house. At the time, my house was meat-free. And so technically we had a kosher kitchen because we didn't have any mixing of, according to the Orthodox, we didn't have any mixing of milk and meat in our house. Everything, had, everything was all dairy. And so technically we had a kosher kitchen, even besides the fact that I'm a believer. If I would have been an Orthodox Jew, my house would have been considered kosher. I, during those debates, I asked him, I, I invited him over for Erev Shabbat. And one of the uh, one of the people, the Orthodox Hasidic Jews that that uh, was following the debate, said to him, "You can't do that. You're not even allowed to to drink a bottle of wine off of his table or anything off of his table, even if he doesn't bless it. Because if if he's in the kitchen and he might bless it, he might say a prayer to Jesus over that food, and then you can't eat it." Right. And, I, and I think in 1 Corinthians 10, 27, this is exactly what Paul's saying. I think that the rabbis did this in response to Paul, but nonetheless, I don't think, that the, I don't think it was the other way around. I don't think that Paul's responding to the, the, the Mishnah or anything like that. I think it's the other way around. Um, anyway, so what does all this do? And uh, Rob, you said this the other day when we, were, when we were discussing some of these things. It really divides it divides the body of the Messiah. Oh, you you mix milk and meat? Well, I can't eat with you. Oh, you you know, there's all these different, you know, and even within Judaism, they have all these different hectures. Well, so, yeah, there was one, who was I talking to who took a, they were talking about a plane ride on El Al between Israel and New York or whatever. And there was like five different uh, kosher certifications. And so one person who's stringent in one halakhic tradition would only pick one of those five and the others they wouldn't touch with the 10 foot pole. <laughs> and then you're going to have one for each of those. So what's going on here? Asher just uh, posted a picture, by the way, in, in the uh, chat room that uh, has both. That oh, has good. both. Uh, okay. th man, look at this. We, we get new people to the chat room and they're, they're on the ball. They're doing our research for us. Thank you. So here, here's the core issue. I think Paul is not giving us a general halakha of food in 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. I'd agree what with he's that. Doing, what he's doing, he is privileging the Shema and the love your neighbor as yourself as the core. 
He's trying to say, look, it's not about you as an individual. It's about you in relationship with others. This is unpacking that. And not only that, is it interaction with believers when he talks about the strong and the weak? They're not supposed to be division, supposed to have the relationship. Thirdly, there is within the gospel the assumption that it's going to expand to un- into the world of unbelievers. So it's not iso- it's not like the Pharisees. It's not an isolationist. Here's okay, everybody in the room. Okay, now we're going to wash our hands and we're going to say our prayers and we're not going to let anybody else defile our table. That's not what they're doing. They're it's not isolationist. They're open to be invited by unbelievers. Now, presumably, when Paul says if someone invites you, presumably the person inviting you understands where who you are already. They know where you stand. So if Paul's saying I Paul was invited by an unbeliever. Paul, my assumption is that Paul's already opened up his mouth and talked about the gospel to this person. And so this person is going, wow, I know who Paul is. I know what he he stands for, and I want to hear more. I'm going to invite him to my house. And that person who, if they have a genuine desire to learn, they're going to be attentive. They're going to know, oh, Paul's Jewish. Okay, we're just going to, you know, we have vegetables. You know, in other words— Trust the expansion of the trust the Holy Spirit in the expansion of the kingdom to to in the world realm of outsiders, rather than adopt an isolationist uh, community model. Yeah, I think and, all that's go, all that's going on behind the scenes. I completely agree with you. I'm here's the, I've had this question many 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 times. Can you still eat at the Chinese American restaurant or the you know the the places that have the Buddha in the front of the of the restaurant? Is that still allowed? I think it's up to each individual's conscience. I'm, I mean, I'm not a person to say yay or nay. Uh, you yeah, know. Paul, did, Paul didn't give a holocaust for that. He, he gives individual. He, but he says, you know, love God, love your neighbor. You know, I mean, that's that's the core. Um, but yeah, the idea is he gets into first in First Corinthians ten. He gets into the history of Israel, uh, getting into idolatry and and. Uh, sexual sin, and he's absolutely against it. He says yeah. you can't be a believer in Yeshua and do this. Don't get me wrong. Whoever's let you know, I want people to realize we're not. I'm not sitting here saying, "Oh, let's go out and, and go to the Buddhist temple and sit down and have a meal with these guys." I wouldn't do that, and I wouldn't do that because I don't think that. Uh, I don't. First of all, I don't think that's allowed. I wouldn't walk into a Buddhist temple and eat. However, if a Buddhist invites me over to his house to talk about things, I would go. And I'm not going to be like, hey, did you pray over this food in the kitchen as I'm trying to share the gospel with him? That's my point. So is there, it does Paul seem to allow some form of food offered to idols? And the answer, I think, is yes, in some ways. He's not telling you just go out and eat whatever you want all the time, no big deal. But I think that he's saying, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, if if you're trying to witness to somebody, don't be sitting there saying, um, excuse me, uh, did the salt that you use for this, did this come from, you know, the uh, the halal market or not? That's my thought. Well, all right. Are we good? Is that it? Yeah. Hour and 10 minutes. You were right, Rob. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, so Gemma... Uh, she in uh, she sent uh, us her her info as well. 
But we'll we'll, 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 we'll welcome Je- Jenna, uh, Gemma, I'm sorry, Gemma next week on uh, officially uh, to the Rob and Caleb show since we've already done one, right? I suppose we oh, should make a, what do you think? We should do it now? What's the hop? Consult the cut. We oh, gotta do we gotta it today. Say, we gotta, we do, gotta it to- do it today. Okay, hang on. Because just it's new today. It it's, it wouldn't be genuine. The okay. Holocaust states that <laughs> the day, if at all possible, uh-huh. on the day of their first participation in the in the room, they get blessed. They get blessed. Okay, hang on just a sec. I got to do a couple of things here then, just so I don't screw this up. The sages say within two days. The Book of Knowledge. But since, but, but since the Robin Caleb show is once a week um <laughs> the, the sage's opinion that that at least you know no more than two days doesn't apply we're just throwing out blessings all over the place here on the robin caleb show th- th- this uh this episode one five five extra blessing all right here we go we would like to welcome Gemma hanlin from hanley new york to the robin caleb show's listening audience you are now one of the 36 coolest people on earth please consider yourself blessed You've been blessed. We want to say good riddance to the two people that we've lost as well, because as our, our sayonara, sayonara, as our uh, you wouldn't want to be <laughs> as uh, as our faithful listeners know, uh, the way that we keep thirty six listeners is every time we get uh, one new listener, that means that one has fallen off somewhere. Uh, so goodbye to those people and welcome to the two new people uh, that we have gained this week. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to be a part of the chat room, all you got to do is sign up for our uh, show notes. We send them out before every show so that you can get into the chat room if you'd like to, or just follow us on Facebook, uh, and you can find them that way. Uh, <laughs> someone t- uh, Susanna typed the RNC Talmud. Is there a Spokane version and a Tacoma version? I said yes. The Spokani and the Tokami. <laughs> Ah, there we go. Yes, we should probably get a, a, a black book or something that we can write down these. Uh, you know, the our, code. The code. No, it's yes. oral. Oh, it's all oral. Okay, good. It's oral. Now, now we know. Now only we know. If you're only if you're in the circle, do you know the the oral tradition? The Makes oral it easy to make law. things up, right? Hey, <laughs> we're only expounding on what's already there, my uh, friend. Yes, of course. Uh, all right. Are we good? Invention. Anything else? Ain't there is nothing new under the sun. Yes, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, I know where you got that from. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, are we good until next week? Anything else you want to say, Rob? No, no, great show. Great to see everybody in the in the chat room today. Yeah, we really enjoy it when people uh, when people are joining the chat room. It's, it's, it's good to <laughs> see everybody. Handed down from the sages at Mount St. Helens. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, if you St. Helens is it's a Greek... Uh, saint. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, okay, so if you want to uh, leave us a comment, do so. You can tell us you love us, hate us, whatever. 253-465-3205. That's 253-465-3205. We are going to be back next week. I don't know if we're going to tackle one of the topics that we were looking at this week. They're very large topics, and they're things that uh, need to be handled with care. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to prepare something for you all uh, before next week. Thank you to all of our uh, new people in the chat room. We love seeing new people in the chat room. And we and uh, shalom in the full paleo sense. Yes, exactly. In the full paleo sense. Until next time, we hope that uh, this conversation has done one thing. That is glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>